Good morning, everyone. So as Dave said, my name is Tim, and I have the joy of being able to serve here and fellowship in with folks here. If you're a guest here today, I'm, I'm excited that you're here. And if you're a dad here today, I'm very excited that you're here today. Dads, um, I don't know how to say this. I hear moms um, talk about how like they have the hardest job in the world, but um, I'm kind of partial to dads. Gotta be honest for a moment. Um, dads, dads matter, not to the exclusion of mothers. I grew up in a single parent home and uh, the parent that raised me was my mom. And the reason why I am who I am today is because of my mom's influence, right? But dads really, really matter, friends. And maybe now more than ever. And so if you're, if you're here today and you, like, in regards to, like, Drew's prayer just a moment ago, it, you don't have a great relationship with your dad, or maybe you're not a dad here today, or Father's Day is just a really bitter hard time for you. I'm going to be primarily talking to dads today. We're going to be talking to primarily dads today um, in just a couple minutes. I want to ask you, don't, please don't, please don't tune me out. Please do not do Sudoku puzzles. Um, there's an opportunity for you to respond to the word too. You can be even right now praying for dads that are here and present. You can be praying for maybe if you're a spouse and your dad or your husband doesn't look like this particular character model to your kids, you can be praying for your husband in, in like, in kind. But if you would, open your Bible to 1 Corinthians 16. 1 Corinthians 16, we're going to be looking at verses 13 and 14. Before I jump into that, I do have an announcement about deacon nominations. And so if you want to nominate someone, you might be thinking, what's a deacon or what do they do? Or what should a deacon look like? Um, first, first Timothy 3 is really helpful. I want to read that real quick before we jump into the text. You're getting, you're getting two sermons for the price of one today, friends. This is what Paul tells Timothy. If you're thinking about stepping up to the plate and serving the body in such a critical role, this is what it looks like first. And then we have Blaine here. Blaine, would you say hi? Would you raise your hand? Wonderful. If you want to know more about what it means to be a deacon here, talk with, talk with Blaine, talk with me afterward. But this is what we would be looking for. This is what, maybe pray after the service, God, who are you? Who are you calling to be a deacon here? Who, who would you bring to mind that looks like this? A deacon, likewise, must be dignified and not double-tongued or addicted to too much wine, too much wine. Um, not greedy for dishonest gain. They must hold to the mystery of the faith with a clear conscience. They must be dignified and not slanderers. Husband of one wife, not, um, not given to too much wine. They must have a clear conscience. Let deacons each be a husband of one wife. Again, managing their children and their own households well. 
for those who serve well as deacons gain a good standing for themselves and also great confidence in the faith that is in Christ Jesus. They have to know Jesus really well and they have to be committed to their families really well. And you would want someone that's really committed to the work of the body here, like long-standing kind of commitment to. And they would care for widows. They would care for the body in really substantial ways. And so if you're interested in nominating someone for the diaconate, email hbcoffice at hazelwoodbaptist.com. There's the plug. Very good. All right. Back to 1 Corinthians 13, 16. What a day yesterday was. Thank you for being gracious with me today. Frederick Douglass said this. This was decades ago, a very long time ago, and I think it fits very well in our own day today. It's easier to build strong children than it is to repair broken men. It's easier to build strong children than to repair broken men. We live in a day, an age, where men, frankly, um, it's almost criminal to be a strong man of character, isn't it? It's not every voice. It's not even half of the voices that are out there screaming at the top of the lungs, like destroy the patriarchy and... Um, We can be whoever we want to be. But there are some voices that are just incredibly loud, aren't there? Being a man matters. In such a critical way because being a dad matters. I understand not all men are going to be dads. Not all men are called to be dads. But a necessary feature of being a dad means that you're a man. And the passage that we're looking at today has a lot to say about what it means to be a man here and now. You might not be convinced like having a dad in the home today, being a man of strong character matters. Listen to this. Children that are born in fatherless homes, raised in fatherless homes, whether that's because of death and loss or because dad steps out or anything in between, what happens? Those children are four times greater risk of poverty. They're two times as likely to be involved in in sexual activity. Girls are seven times more likely to become pregnant at an early age. They're two times more likely to drop out of school. They're more likely to suffer from emotional and behavioral problems. There are higher levels of aggressive behavior, especially in those homes that don't, have, uh, that don't have a dad. They're more likely to have those massive fits of rage than those that are born in married homes because dads help little boys learn how to regulate anger and frustration and aggression. Children that are born into fatherless homes are two times more likely to die in infancy. Did you know that? If there was a child that was born in a fatherless home, they're more likely to go to prison than a child that was born with with a healthy dad, a healthy male presence in the home. 
when you hear things like that, you don't need the Bible to tell you about how important a fatherly presence is. You don't. But we do need the Bible to give us a picture of what it means to be a man today. Let's hear from God about what he says, what a man looks like. Would you stand out of reverence for God's word? This is what God says to us today. Dads, you have a massive calling. And this is a summons to love and lead gently with gentle strength to lead your home today. Paul says this, be watchful, stand firm in the faith, act like men, be strong. Let all that you do be done in love. Can we read that together? Be watchful, stand firm in the faith, act like men, be strong. Let all that you do be done in love. This is God's word for you and me today, male and female, old and young, child and not a child. You can be seated. There's so many competing voices about what it looks like to be a man and healthy masculinity or toxic masculinity or I want to be a man, maybe I don't want to be a man anymore. Like, can men wear skinny jeans? Should all men be like woodworkers, right? Paul isn't interested in that one single bit. Do you feel that here? He is interested, though, in the character of people, isn't he? Paul gives a list of five different things that he's telling men to do. Quick note, this entire list is imperative. Would you say that word with me? Imperative. What does that mean? It means to do. It means to act. It's a command. He's giving a list of commands. Why does this matter? Because early on in the, in the book of 1 Corinthians, he's giving a lot of imperative. Would you say that with me? Imperative. What is an imperative? An imperative is a truth. It's something to believe. It is a fact. Paul, at the very end of his letter, he starts giving a list of commands to do, do this. He does this at the end though, typically, and you can follow the flow of his letters, almost any letter that you read from him. He gives you truth all the way up front. What are some of the truths that the Corinthians would have heard all the way up front? You weren't baptized into Paul or Apollos or Peter. You were baptized into Jesus. Jesus is the foundation of the church. The reason why you don't practice sexual morality later on in the passage is because you're united to Jesus. We don't want to do anything that shames Jesus because Jesus gives us honor. Jesus places us in a place of honor. Jesus justifies us. Jesus forgives us for sin. Jesus empowers us to live a brand new life. Everything about this new life comes and flows from Jesus. So in light of being both a man 
and both being a man that's also sanctified and forgiven by the Lord Jesus Christ, he tells us to do these several different things. Don't hear law today. Don't hear a list, a laundry list of things that you have to do to perform for a, an, an absentee father that really doesn't care about you. He's already lavished upon you incredible, amazing love by calling you his own son or daughter. But as someone that belongs to the household of God now, he calls us and summons us to action. And he gives us at least, I think, four things and then one big thing. All of these small little things flow out of the very big thing. What do we see? Paul says first, he says, be watchful. Verse 13, be watchful. We might say, be careful. Be careful of what? This is a big theme in Paul's theology. Whenever you read Paul, there's a big theme of watchfulness. It's a theology of watching. Watching for what though? He's watching specifically for the Lord to appear. Jesus came, Jesus taught and lived, Jesus died and rose again. And the apostles and we today confess that Jesus will return. He's coming again and he's not slow and slack. Jesus is coming again. He's watching for the Lord's appearance. So when he says, be watchful, he's not saying, be alerted to like some burglar breaking into your house at night. You hear the, the glass crashing, right? Your window broke. And then you're like, what, what's just happening? Like, and, you're, and you're wiping the sleep out of your eyes. That's not what he's saying. He's saying that you're already holding fast and you're holding vigil. You are consistent in holding vigil. You are vigilant. Awake constantly knowing that the Lord is coming. We're talking about already being awake. The time is already getting late. The days are getting darker. And you're painfully aware, men, dads especially, that there are threats all around coming for our families. Companies, Video game industry, sex, pornography, music. They pump billions of dollars a year into advertising to ensnare your family. Unmitigated access to cell phones is terrifying, friends, especially for little ones. This is a call to be vigilant, to be watchful, to be careful. But even more than that, it's a call to be watchful and careful over your own soul too. Watchfulness is standing at attention and being alert and getting ready, being prepared for the day that Jesus returns. Are you watchful? Are you careful? Are you awake and alert right now for Jesus to come? Are you about his work and business? Are you making disciples? Be careful. The second one though, look at it. He says, be watchful. And then next, stand firm. What's that next phrase? He says, stand firm. Stand firm in what? The faith. 
He says, stand firm in the faith. The idea here is conviction. There are certain things that you can be certain about. There are certain things that you can have rock solid certainty about right now. Dads, you now more than ever need to be certain about things that you believe. There are just some things that we need to have a pretty closed grip on. Like what? That Jesus died in the place of sinners. That God actually speaks to people through the word. What happens when spiritual conversations come up though in your home or at family gatherings and people start to press you about, well, you know, I, I have this kind of relationship with God. Like he, we pray every now and then and I feel like he and I are all right. Even though I do X, Y, and Z, I'm not a part of a church. I don't really care about this whole Christian thing. This is an invitation for you to express what you are certain about. Do your kids know that you are able to articulate the essentials of the faith? Are you able to articulate the mysteries of the faith? Do your kids know that you believe that Jesus is both God and man? Do they know that you believe that God created humanity, both male and female? We're firm on really big picture doctrines and teachings. We don't always know the way though, but we know the one who knows the way and we're able to point them back to him too. We don't always know what to do, but we, when we stand with him, we cannot fail. And so being certain means that you bring clarity to your home about what to believe. Brother, dad, your role is to bring clarity to your home. And your kids may not believe what you believe, but at the very least, they're able to articulate with their own lips, I know that dad believes this. Can they do that? Can they put what you, can they put in their own words what, they, what you actually believe because they've actually heard it from you? Do your kids see you as a model of mercy and grace and forgiveness? Do your kids see you as the first one to repent in your home? Do your kids see you as someone that desperately needs God's grace and desperately needs to receive grace from people that you've offended? We're certain about these things. says that we act like men. Sermon over. We can, we can just go home after that, right? This is a weird phrase. Act like men. Why on earth would Paul need to say something like this? Back in the day, in Paul's own day, there were like household codes and honorary codes like for every strata of life. So regardless if you were a man or a husband or a father or stepping into like some governmental office or whatever, they were 
they were etching out all of these different kinds of expectations for people to follow through and live in in his own day. And if you notice, some of these commands and expectations, there really isn't a great like connecting point between them. They're kind of all over the place, aren't they? This one is really weird though. Because he says he summons you and me to act like men. But you know what the word picture here is? It's of a woman getting dressed for battle. It's, it's of courage. The picture I immediately thought of in thinking about this was Mulan. Does anyone remember? No one? No one has littles? No one remembers that, that pretty entertaining Disney movie, right? Let's get down to business to defeat the Huns, right? It's a story about a young girl that steps into combat to protect her dad. And while there are some like weird overtones about it, Generally speaking, there's something noble about a young girl that wants to protect her aged father that's not able to defend himself. The picture is this, though. To step into the fray, there is a willingness to step into very, very uncomfortable situations. Dads, we can be certain about a lot of stuff, and we can be watchful, but none of it matters if we're not able to engage. I am a recovering coward. When I read this, I think about all the times that I failed and I'm grateful for God's mercy in my life. Not just hard conversations with Leisha, but in hard conversations with people um, that might want to bring unhealthy or unwholesome things around my children. It's a summons to act. That doesn't mean that there isn't anxiety. It doesn't mean that you're not afraid. Courage is simply the willingness to take one step in the direction you're supposed to. That's it. If we are certain and we do not act, there is tremendous consequences that come with that. Not only for our own families, brother, dad, but also for our own soul. When you go to the revelation, the, the tail end of it, Revelation 21, 7 and 8, those that are cast into the lake of fire, you know who the first that are mentioned are? Those that are unable to act. Cowards. Brothers and sisters, that's not you though. You've been bought and redeemed by Jesus. And we might have cowardly tendencies in our own heart. We might be afraid to engage the fray, but we don't go alone. This is why the next thing is so important and powerful. What's the last thing that he says? He says, act like men and then be strong. Be strong. 
There's skill that's involved here. There's competency that's involved here. Capacity. He's saying be capable individuals. He's not talking about big, burly, strong men that want to chase after the UFC and start pounding beer and like sitting in an alleyway with a friend. Like that's not the picture that he's communicating here one bit. That's not what he's interested in. The world doesn't need any more people that are able to be strong in their own flesh. The world needs people that derive strength, a gentle strength from the Lord Jesus. We need the Spirit of God alive in our hearts. And as we walk through life, by God's grace, we acquire the ability to be able to engage. As we gain confidence in what we've received from the Lord, then we're able to engage and instill and disciple those under our care. David knew this too well. How does a shepherd boy prepare to fight a Philistine giant? There were a lot of things that happened in his old life that that were preparing him to get ready for battle. How does a shepherd king then lead his mighty men into battle after fighting a Philistine giant? This is the same David that's able to say in Psalm 144, verse 1, it is the Lord, not my own ingenuity and strength and talent. No, it's the Lord that trains my hands for battle and my fingers for war. So brother, receive strength from Jesus. Receive courage from Jesus to be an administrator, the the negotiator in your home, the counselor in your home, to be the pastor in your home. Not in your own strength, but receiving capacity and competency from him as you meet with him. All of this comes down to, to the next verse though. And this is really where the rubber meets the road. If you want to be like like supernatural, way different than the way the world works kind of men, you can't do that without this next verse. What does he say? Let all that you do be done in love. He's talking about that we do this not as checking off the boxes, but we are in continual states of, I am courageous because I love my kids and I love my family. As a called man of God, I live out my identity in love, self-sacrificing for the sake of my family and my community. Men, today, God is calling you to be a velvet-covered brick. Soft and strong, all at the same time. Does your family and your children know you to be someone that flies off the handle? Or are you known to be someone that is approachable? Are you known to be someone that's way too soft? Are you soft like a pillow? And that there is so much give? Or are you able to be a man that leads with confidence and grace? 
So we're going to pray right now. And, and as I do, I'm going to ask a couple of uh, our friends to come up. We're going to have a, an interview, actually, a Q&A briefly with some of the men in this room today. They're going to illustrate for you what it looks like to lead with gentle strength. Or you might hear from them, hey, look, this, uh, you know, I failed in a lot of different ways. I'm going to pray for us. We're going to watch a video and they're going to come up in just a moment. Would you bow your heads with me? Father, there are so many things in this passage to unload and explore and attempt to apply in, your, in, in the spirit that you gave us. We're weak and frail, and we need help. Father, we can't do any of this on our own. So I pray especially for dads here that try to do everything on their own, and they go home feeling like failures. They don't know what they're doing. God, I pray for a rich blessing and a rich encouragement for their soul. God, would you meet with them right now, not only showing them their folly, not just convicting them, but giving them fresh grace and fresh power to lead their homes well. Jesus, you made us to be careful and certain, filled with conviction. Jesus, you made us to be these things. May we be these things to our family. I pray for people that are in here that do not have healthy relationships with their fathers. Not having a father is not a part of your design. And you are a father to the fatherless, but you design human relationships to have a dad present in our lives. You are no replacement for an earthly father, but you love so much better than an earthly father. And so for those that are here today, I pray that you would meet with them in a special way that don't have a healthy relationship with their dad. Jesus, minister to them now. I pray that Father's Day wouldn't be drudgery and pain. I pray that they would be able to rejoice and worship because you are a good, good father. Father, we pray for the rest of our time too. We give it to you. We're thankful. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.